trans icon Lauren Graham. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hit record right as you said <laughs> Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm Jay. And I'm Robert. One More Thing is a podcast celebrating LGBTQ plus pop culture. We did it. We did it. It took us four seasons. <laughs> Welcome back to One More Thing. So this episode is going to be about parenting. Being the parent of... A queer kid. And when we were talking about this episode, just speaking for you... Thank you. Penny Hunt, the the lovely and wonderful... Penny Hunt, the lovely and wonderful... That is her full name. (laughs) Reached out to us a while ago to talk about this organization that she heard about called Stand With Trans... And we are lucky enough today to have the founder, the, if you will, parent of Stand With Trans (laughs) here with us today in the studio on the phone. Yes, not in the studio at all. (laughs) And I came into this episode ready to make a joke, but it was already discovered. The, (laughs) I know what I said didn't make sense, but just hold on. Okay, I'll let you say it. Because... When we decided to do this, I was like, cool. And the founder of Stand With Trends, her name is Roz Keith. And I was like, oh, cool. So we started doing some research on it. And when I Googled Roz Keith, Jay, do you know what I was smacked with? Don't answer because I know you already know. Roz Keith is the secretary, is one of the secretaries in the office. She's not a secretary. Is she the assistant? Well... I mean, what does she do? We don't have to get into it, but <laughs> is one of the women that works in the office. She's the villain in nine to five. Yeah, <laughs> she's the villain. Yeah, isn't he the villain? Well, they're both the villain. She's like his minion. Okay, I thought she turns around at some point. No. Oh, I guess women remember they the sent her to France. Too. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah. Now that we've talked to her, she couldn't be further from. That. I know. She runs and founded this organization called Stand With Trans, which essentially is an organization that that educates parents of trans youth and is a resource for for trans youth. And I could go on explaining it, but I think it would be better for her to. So with no further ado, <laughs> here's our conversation with Roz Keith. We're here with Roz Keith who is the founder of Stand With Trans. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what the organization is? I would love to. So Stand With Trans is a nonprofit, and our goal is to support transgender youth. And I always say in parentheses, and their families, because it's hard to do one without the other. We, we really are very focused on the family, but it really all began with providing resources that were lacking in the community for transgender youth so they could come out so they could transition so they could feel that they were supported and really tools so they feel more confident and empowered to actually live authentically i guess my main question is where for you i know that your son is was transitioning when the organization was first started where was the jump for you from this is happening to me and my family to i want to help families everywhere (laughs) i think i blinked and it happened but um (laughs) you know sadly when my son came out to me that was six years ago he's now 20 he was about a month shy of his 13th birthday then there not only did i not know what it meant to be transgender. I don't think I had ever heard the word. Nobody was talking about it. It certainly wasn't in my news feed on Facebook and it wasn't in the media. So I didn't really understand. So I had to do my own research. But the difficult thing, and I get asked this quite a bit, is, well, was it so hard for you to have a transgender child? And what was hard, what was heartbreaking, is that there was no support. There was not one single resource for our family, not one. You know, once we wrapped our heads around what this all meant and what he really needed and what he was hoping to do, 
we were able to start talking about it and making phone calls and asking, did this exist? Did that exist? Were there support groups? Was there, he needed to find a therapist. You know, there were no mental health practitioners in the area where we live who were trained as gender specialists. And if they had any knowledge, they were seeing adult clients who identified it as, as LG or B mm-hmm. and there was no T or Q or I or any other letter of the alphabet and so we bounced around a little bit trying to find what felt comfortable and appropriate for him he was very anxious to start on cross-sex hormones and for that you not only need ongoing therapy and a letter from the mental health professional but you need then a pediatric endocrinologist or a family doctor who's trained. And there was just no one. There was one pediatric endocrinologist in our community who was prescribing hormones for trans youth, and she did not take our insurance. Oh, God. And anything else was like for adults. They're like, oh, 14, no, sorry. And I would just get bounced from line to line to line, different people, different departments. And as if they weren't hearing what I was originally asking for until someone finally asked a question again and they'd say, oh, no, oh, you know, your child's 14 or, oh, you need, oh, no, sorry. Did you call, did you call this place? So that went on for, for months. In the meantime, he was really struggling. I was just, you know, hitting my head against the wall because every phone call was, I was just coming up empty-handed so the more we started to dig in and then eventually of course we were able to cobble together a plan for him and things worked out very positively and so once we were probably about mm, 10 months or so 12 months into this process we got a call from a journalist someone who's actually a friend of mine but she was doing a story and she wanted to tell our family's story and so we made a decision as a family to do that, that we would tell this story. So, you know, the leap from figuring things out at home to sharing publicly to then, well, how do we, what do we do with this? Um, As we were starting to, once we, once we, once we shared our story publicly, we started to hear, of course, of other families. Our story was actually a lifeline for one young trans teen in our community who was in very bad shape, and he asked his parents to find him the story about Hunter. And they went home and they Googled and printed it out and brought it to their child in the psych ward, basically. And that was a life-saving story for this kid. And so... There was some doubt up until that point. Did we do the right thing? And my son was a little bit, even though he agreed to it, he was kind of feeling like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm on the cover of this publication and I really didn't bargain for, you know, it's not what I, it's more than I bargained for. And, And then he saw how it helped this other child. And then about a year in, the headlines were all about Leela Elkhorn who died by suicide, right? For those who don't know, she was about 19 years old, trans woman, no family support. The mother and the sibling misgendered her even after her death. Um, They misgendered her. They didn't acknowledge that she took her life. I think there was one quote even saying, it's like, oh, you know, my son got hit by a truck. Um, That really hit me hard and I knew that I would go to the ends of the earth for my child no matter what the issue was and I couldn't imagine a place a home a you know a a community that didn't have that or, or a child that didn't have their parents fighting for them every single day and I started commiserating with another mom online I think we were in a Facebook group and just you know, what can we do? And this is so tragic. And how can we, how can we help? And that's where LA Moms began. Say Uh that I am a parent or a member of the trans youth, and I'm looking at Stand With Trans. 
Uh What does it offer? And I know that that's like a very broad question, but for our listeners that don't know, like what, what, what do you do? (laughs) Yeah. So we are based in Michigan, but we're starting to, there are things that are available nationally, like the LA Parents Program. And we just expanded to the Bay Area and in San Francisco. So there will be support groups coming this fall in several communities out that way. But in general, there are four or five basic pillars where we offer programs and services. So one is the support groups. Right now we have 18 groups in 10 different locations, not including the San Francisco groups that are coming. And so those are youth groups, those are parent groups, and we have a couple of young child groups. And by the way, when I say trans or transgender, I'm really referring to the whole umbrella of the gender diverse community. So it could be a gender non-binary, gender non-conforming, gender creative. So there are, you know, queer, there, there are a lot of labels, if you will, that trans people take on as part of their identity, but for the sake of the conversation and to make things easy, I'm referring to the population we serve as trans or transgender, so non-cisgender youth. So we provide the support groups. We have an annual empowerment workshop. It's an all-day conference for trans youth. We've recently, within the last two years, added a parents program that runs alongside the youth program as well as a young child day, which is more interactive, art games, that sort of thing. Um, And we have about 150 who attend that. And this coming up this October is our fifth, will be our fifth workshop. And so it's just an amazing day. We have different topics that the youth can choose from, and that's everything from how to deal with self-harm, working within a family that isn't accepting, meditation, improv, music as therapy. We generally have an art workshop. It's sort of all over the map, but all of the programming is designed to create community, build confidence, and allow the youth to just feel great at the end of the day about who they are and that to see that they're at this day with other kids just like them. And we get about, I don't know, 60 or so youth who attend. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty cool day. And then the Allied Parents, as I mentioned, which is the national program right now, we also do two social events a year that are Stand With Trans events. We do, we participate in some other things throughout the year, but we have two big, we do a big picnic every August. And again, we get about 130 to 150 people who come. It's families and we grill and we invite people to bring a dish to share. And it's in a big park with green space and a playground and a skate park and Wow. Nearby bathrooms. And it's just, it's a great day. And that's coming up in August. And then we do a winter event called Share the Love. And that, we just had our second one this past winter. And again, that's just a family thing. And we do a big taco bar and people bring stuff to share. And there's art projects for the younger kids and some games and we play music and people dance. And so the social aspect is really important for families to connect because sometimes they don't have anyone else to even talk to about what's going on with their kids. Mm -hmm. And while there are a lot of online groups, it's really nice to see people in person in your communities to be able to connect with them and know that, you know, there's another family down the street basically that's having the same issues and challenges And then the fifth piece of all of this is the education. We are constantly looking for ways to either create programming from scratch that will educate or participate in programming. We just did a three-part series for families here in the community, and they operated independently, but you could come to all three, and they kind of built on each other. So the first one was sort of an LGBT slash focus on trans 101 and then the second was about accepting parenting practices and then the third was a panel and we had three very different unique individuals my son sat on the panel so he identifies as a gay trans male we had 
a 25-ish-year-old trans woman who just came out within the last year and who teaches high school oh, and is wow. going to be able to go start the school this coming school year as a woman in the school district. So they're completely supporting I don't know about her you, transition. But I and listen to podcasts. She hasn't had a ton I do, in fact, listen to them with so my cellular device. And you know what I also do on my phone is I follow accounts on social media. What's your favorite account? The one more thing, Instagram account. Do you know what my favorite Twitter is? What's your favorite Twitter? But the One More Thing Twitter account. It's the only reason I still have Twitter. (laughs) So if you're already holding your phone to listen to this podcast, why not head on over to twitter.com and follow One More Thing with an A? And if you're holding your phone still and you want to do something else, you can go over to Instagram and follow One More Thing with an A because I was taken. And then you can go to Facebook and follow One More Thing podcast and Letterboxd and follow One More Thing. We post a lot of stuff about the podcast specifically and also news that we're obsessed with. It should be in our close friends list. Like, I I want to see all y'all. Like, in other words, next month is going to change again. So the education is ongoing. Ally Moms is something that when we were looking through Stand With Trans really stuck out to us. So Ally Moms began, the conversations for Ally Moms began before we even really started talking about a nonprofit. We were already having some conversations about, well, what if we started a support group here for parents? And what if we had something for trans youth? And what would that look like? Because at this point now, some other like we had broadcast media coverage about our family story and the print media and so we were out there and other families were identifying with our family and so we knew that we weren't the only ones at that point and we knew that the support was needed and then Leela Alcorn died and this other mom and I just started talking and we said well what if we just did this little online thing where you could text and wouldn't that be cool and so we kind of put it out there it was really a half-formed idea but we put it out there and we called it Ally Moms and immediately I started getting emails and I thought oh my gosh there are people that want to do this I couldn't believe that people were raising their hand to be a part of this group in the meantime we started organizing the other activities as well as having the conversations about forming a nonprofit, which is where Stand With Trans comes in and once that all happened There was a lot that went on at once. You know, the organization was in formation. We were planning a community education event. We were talking about support groups. Ally Moms had been formed. Once Stand With Trans became a legal entity, we brought Ally Moms under that umbrella. So it became a program of Ally Moms. And we now require background checks from all of the volunteers there's an application process, there's a background check vetting process, and then we publish their first name, the state where they live, in most cases how their child identifies, a phone number where they can receive texts, and in many cases an email. And that's on the Stand With Trans website. So we have almost 300 volunteers all over the country in almost every state, and we transitioned, no pun intended, from Ally Moms <laughs> to Ally Parents last year because we were getting more requests from dads and also there are parents who are non-binary 
And so we wanted to acknowledge those parents and that, you know, to be, aside from all the clearance and the background checks, you have to be a parent of a transgender individual to participate. So however that parent identifies, and we didn't want that to be limiting. So we let go of the lovely ally moms, which is so near and dear to my heart. But, you know, it was a good thing because it meant growth. And so that's how ally parents came to be. Why do you think the shift happened that at first you were hearing more from moms and then dads started coming in too? You know, it's a great question. Of course, it was started by moms. And so we were identifying as moms of trans kids. And Leela didn't have a mom who supported her. And so we wanted to step in and be those moms really that loved at the other end of the phone. And we got requests pretty early on for the dads. It felt like it was a lot to manage in terms of the vetting and then was that going to be a problem in any way in having perhaps, you know, adult men interact with the kids. I mean, it's, it all sounds very biased and sexist, but that was some of the thinking, you know, four or five years ago. Yeah. As we started to grow and we got more and more requests from all parents, we thought it was just the right time to start to change that over and leave it open. And we still get far more interest from the moms, you know, the mama bears. And it doesn't mean, you know, and it's interesting because now, like at the support group that I run, I run a parent group, we do get a lot of dads now, whereas traditionally it was more of the moms coming and it just has seemed that in a lot of cases either the moms have been more supportive and of course not in all cases but what we were seeing so I'm glad to see now that we're getting more dads you know couples two parents are coming together for their child sometimes they trade off if they've got younger children at home like one week mom will come another week the dad will come like I said I we've always had the requests from the beginning it was just it felt like it would be harder to manage that early on that all makes a lot of sense I totally see where you're going with that one other question about the ally parents that comes from my own ally parent my mother is she is like totally obsessed with you guys and she was actually sort of like the brainchild behind this episode oh i love it (laughs) she wanted to know if your volunteers ever get any sort of harassment from having their phone numbers publicly listed or like what is done to combat that i don't think that has ever happened oh wow yeah i mean one thing that we tell people if you're concerned about having your number listed get a google number because then it it nobody has your actual number and I don't know if you know how that works but you can just it's free and you get a google number and then people dial the google number and it gets routed to your actual number so nobody ever sees your number I did not know that was a thing yeah that's very (laughs) interesting it's a thing and it's free so I think there are probably a couple who have chosen to do that and the beauty of our smartphones which anyone who's going to text with a youth probably has a smartphone is that you can so easily block someone right so it's not like you're getting prank calls on your landline where you know it's a real problem sometimes there are youth accessing the service who don't have boundaries that's more of an issue for us to manage than somebody you know leaving nasty messages we've really been pretty fortunate that you know i could count maybe on one hand any negative feedback we've gotten on social media. That's amazing. Nothing negative on my blog. Yeah, it's been pretty good. Do you think that you hear more from from trans youth or from parents with trans youth? Like, which demographic reaches out to you more? I think we hear more from the youth, but we started a few months back a tracking form, and we 
very soon we'll be going through all of the forms to see what those look like and to get a better sense of who's contacting us across the board. I get a lot of emails from parents who refer to me, so not necessarily through the Ally Parent Network, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but more of my contacts through Ally Parents are from the youth. Do you ever get calls or anything, or even just the organization in general, do you ever get other members from the LGBT community that aren't necessarily specifically trans or could be cis or anything like that that just yeah. are looking for support? Um, Transgender do. youth um, can have a lot of difficult situations that they're coming from. Um, the I was very lucky. I, so, I, I met no... You know, how, they has a lot of resources. I, I really have met nobody so that has shown me any sort of disapproval. That's definitely not always the case. Um, a lot of kids they don't are have an answer and they think we might yelled have a at by their parents, kicked so out, do get some um, of those calls sometimes, friends shun them and never talk know, to them. Um, and it becomes a very lonely situation. Um, typically something I can't really help with, unfortunately. upsetting to the point that uh, so, but it, you know, uh, many, many trans youth attempt suicide before the age of uh, 21. And... We stay. We do stay pretty focused and true to our mission because it's hard enough to just do what we do without diluting it. Mm-hmm. And we're the only one in the state of Michigan that does what we do. Interesting. And, and I don't think that there there may be a handful in the entire U.S. who are specific to trans youth. I have two more questions for you. One of them is kind of small and one of them is sort of a bigger question. Okay. <laughs> a little bit ago, you referenced that one of the issues that you had at the beginning of all of this was that a lot of the resources for trans people was more geared towards adults. Does your, like, how do, young does your organization go and how old does it go? Yeah, so it's a great question because we always use the word youth and it's about 13 to... 22-ish. And the reason I'm so fuzzy about that is it kind of depends on the specific program and who the child is. You know, you could have a very 13-year-old and you could have a very immature 16-year-old and you could have a 21-year-old who's in the very early stages of coming out transitioning and would be a perfect fit for one of our youth support groups where the core age is maybe like 15 to 17 Mm -hmm. because they're experiencing a lot of the same issues and challenges. That middle school age is a bit of a gap for us because we almost have to break into three age groups. There's the young children, then middle school, then high school, and, you know, middle school, that's if that's like fifth, sixth, seventh grade, what is middle school now? Sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Yeah, I think so. So, so sixth grader, you know, is like maybe 11-ish. And that's really too young to be with the teens, like the high school kids. Right. But yeah, yet fair. they're feeling too old to be with the young children. Like they don't want to play with an eight-year-old. So that's one of the challenges that we're facing now in terms of expansion of our services and how do we do more to address that middle population there, that middle age group. So, and then once, you know, beyond that 21, 22, we do our best to refer people to the other groups in the community if if support is what they're looking for. Of course, for things like our social, like the picnic, there's no age limit there. It's just family. We get a lot of adult trans community members who come because they feel really welcome and they just want to be able to hang out and, you know, have a hot dog. (laughs) That's how we've defined it. It's a little fuzzy. It's not real black and white. So then my kind of larger question is more about you. 
I yeah. I was wondering if, if like is this where you always saw yourself going like community outreach like what's your background in oh my all gosh this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's such that's a great question you know it's interesting because I always loved I mean short answer is no like I, I you know in a million years first of all I wouldn't have predicted that I would be in this situation with my family and certainly couldn't have predicted that this would happen as my job, if you will. But I always liked to be the helper, you know, mm. like I liked, I, I, in elementary school, I was one of the older kids that tutored the younger kids for reading. And, you know, I planned UNICEF Halloween party. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? I mean, that was, that was me, you know, I was like a weird kid, but, and I always thought that I would teach or maybe do something in social services with psychology or I don't know that was you know I had no idea what I wanted to do when I did go to college and then ultimately graduated with a degree in English literature so I ended up in advertising and lived in New York for a long time and so my background is really marketing I have you know a lot of experience in communications marketing advertising consumer promotion I'm a writer I have a blog, Call Him Hunter, which I started early on in this journey with my son. And so I never imagined that I would end up here. But I can tell you that it is the most rewarding thing that I've ever done in my entire life, aside from raising my children, of course. But it's, I keep saying, you know, it's the best job I've ever had, the hardest I've ever worked for the least amount of money. And, <laughs> and, I, and I love it. I mean, we are really saving lives. And that's the thing that's so remarkable. Like, I just, I can't imagine what would have happened to my son if we didn't support him. And yeah. with our support, he struggled. You know, it wasn't always like a piece of cake. So I always feel obligated to say that and to let people know that, yeah, we're in a good place right now, but it wasn't always rosy. And you just have to keep fighting every single day. You know, you have to love your child and you have to be just be there for them. Even when they're feeling, you know the worst they could ever feel about themselves. You have to just keep letting them know that I love you. I'm here for you. I promise you that things will get better. I'm I'm, like, that was like every day, you know, that's what you have to do as a parent. And you're not going to always have the magic answers and you're not going to always be able to make it better immediately. You know, it's not as simple as putting a bandaid on a skinned knee. There are, little fixes along the way but being a teenager is really rough I I would never want to be a teenager again (laughs) yeah me neither most people probably would not want to be a teenager again right yeah Yeah, absolutely (laughs) and definitely not in middle school Hmm. and so they're having a hard enough time figuring out who they are and then you layer all of this stuff on top of it and they they really they they just you know like for my son he said he was about 11 when he figured it out and he did research for two years before he said anything oh wow he just always felt like the weird kid so that's you know for for 11 years he just felt like he was different and weird and he didn't fit in and he didn't necessarily feel like one of the guys but he didn't really want to hang out with the girls and when he played so and I have a child who's a few years older than Hunter a daughter and so when they would play together you know they played house and they had baby dolls and but his baby doll was a boy baby doll and wore boy baby clothes and had a boy name and all of his avatars were male and so, you know, to me, I, it's like, okay, well, that's a little weird, but whatever, you know, that was, yeah. you know, I didn't hinder that because I didn't think it was important or necessary to hinder that, but it didn't mean anything beyond that to me. And so for 11 years, you know, he, he lived in this space where he just didn't know what was wrong, you know, if he's a, he, I don't even know if using the word wrong is the right word but you know he just didn't fit in I've just been sending this message to parents because you know first and foremost I come at it from a parent wearing a parent hat I mean yes I'm running this organization I'm an executive director of the organization and I'm the founder but I'm a parent and I know what it's like to be a parent of a trans child and I know what it's like to be a parent of a child who has needs that are different and when you make that decision to become a parent after that the only other choice you get is what kind of parent you're going to be 
You don't get to choose your child's gender or eye color or IQ or interests or tell them ultimately what they can and can't play with because we all have our, our likes and dislikes. So I think that that's a really important message for people to embrace. And our kids are they're the same people, only better versions of themselves when they're allowed to transition. I am so grateful that my son was able to tell me and tell, and be himself because he is a way better person and he is a cool kid and he's got, you know, just a lot to say about all kinds of stuff and he's loving and we wouldn't have been able to see any of that if we didn't support him in this transition. Right. So those are my messages. Um, (laughs) You know, it's a super important. You just, you know, you got to love your children for who they are. Being transgender is not a choice. Nobody would ever choose to be trans. It is a very difficult journey. And the only way they get through it is with support. And they need their parents and they need their friends and they need their extended family and as you know a community we need to support these kids we need to support transgender youth getting choked up over here like yeah (laughs) thank you so much for doing all all of that (laughs) yeah thank you for doing this work in your community and in the country at large with ally parents yeah so going back to season two we started this thing called the movie club which is a term we invented we watched me with you guys we watched carol and call me by your name with you guys and we talked about these movies you this season, and we'd like to bring everything. you our newest yeah, movie club. So <laughs> it's called Vita and Virginia. It comes out in theaters on August 30th, and, and we're going to be discussing it on September 2nd. So you have the, week, the first weekend that comes out to go see it. You can go to any theater where it's playing and just say, hi, I'd like a ticket for Vita and Virginia. And then they'll give you a ticket, and you'll pay. Then you'll go in, you'll sit through some previews, probably like five or six, depending on the theater. Then you'll see the movie. Well, if you ever find yourself speaking in New York, count us in. I would love that. I'm so happy that we got a hold of Russ, so thanks to your mom, I guess. Yeah, thank you to my mom for coming up with this episode. Your mom's been trying to get this episode made for, like, a season and a half. Yeah. And so I'm glad to finally deliver on it. If you are listening to this and want us to talk about anything, I guess expect it in the next (laughs) two seasons. Yeah. Seriously, if you want us to talk about anything, you can always email us and let us know. I really don't have anything to say after wrapping up that conversation with her. I... I love her. I love the organization. She's so incredible. There's something to say about all of this coming from a cis parent and like a cis mom that I feel like hits harder. Like, I I feel weird saying it, but like, then if it was like a a trans run organization. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, um, it really does. Like, you see it a lot where it's like mom hugs and like... Like moms who will dance at your wedding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, but but I, I wouldn't know who to call. Or do anything like that. So, like, it's really hitting me how accessible she's made her family and what they've gone through. And also opening up her knowledge. Like, I imagine her with, like, like a folder of papers of everything that she learned through her experience. Then being like, okay, like, who wants it? Yeah. Which is really nice and refreshing. And I, I, I stand with trans 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> it's time for this week's one more thing. We once again are playing a game in which isn't a game. Right. We're playing a game that is just us stating. Us dating? Stating. Oh, God. <laughs> I was like, Jay, I didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> we were thinking about this episode and we were like, uh, what are the things that we talked about in this episode? And there, there were, we talked so much about parenting and us, you know, as the successful parents that we are. <laughs> I have two children. Oh, that's, that's true. They're feline, but they're my children. That we would talk about the the number one thing our parents ever did for us that has stuck with us. I'm going to say for good. I've heard it said <laughs> that people come into our lives. Roll the clip of us singing Wicked in Your Car all night. Oh my God. So mine is that my mom, it, it's something that I didn't realize that she taught me. Until much later in life, as if I'm 50, but like, not until a lot later, did I realize it? And I called her and was like, I just, it just hit me that this is something that you taught me that I didn't realize I was learning. And it's how to clean up and not in the way that you think. (laughs) My mom- to be like, okay, drag me. (laughs) (laughs) No, my mom taught me like a very, like, it's just like in my body. So it's not like she was like, I'm going to teach him how to do this specific thing. But she taught me this, like, very easy balance between, like, what about, like, I guess presenting myself. Mm. Because, like, my mom is not the most organized person in the world. She's very messy. And, like, her car is, like, always cluttered with stuff. And her bedroom is always, like, just piles and piles of, like, things. She knows where everything is. But, like, and it's not quite hoardery, but it's just kind of, like, there's always stuff around but if you were to meet her, like, out somewhere, you would never look at her and be like, oh, I bet you're someone that's, like, super unorganized mm-hmm. or, like, super messy just from the way that she presents herself. But it's, like, and it's not just how she, like, looks. It's, like, across all aspects of her life. Like, if it's people, when they talk to me, are always like, oh, you must be someone who's very type A. But I'm, like, literally anything but type A. It's just that I... How I live, like, my personal life is very separate. And I feel like I'm talking in circles. But what I mean is that, like, if you were to go over to my room right now, my room is a disaster and my bed is not made. But, like, I just, like, don't present myself that way. And it's something where, like, I've been able to take it into my professional life and parts of my personal life. I But I remember that I was home one time in my apartment and I was cleaning the kitchen and then went into my bedroom and laid down in bed and my bedroom was a complete disaster. And I called my mom and was like, oh, I get it. Like if people come over, they see like the nicer side, but if they go into my bedroom, it's a disaster, but I'm totally comfortable with it being like that. And it's a very, my mom thing. Interesting. And I like it. That's sweet. I like that. And she taught me how to make a tuna melt. My tuna melts are great. A what? (laughs) A tuna melt. Do you not know what a tuna melt is? Is it melted tuna on a sandwich? Yes, but you, but like not melted tuna. It's like, it's usually like egglish, egglish muffin. Oh boy. <laughs> An English muffin with like a slice of tomato and tuna salad, or like, I don't know what you call it, like a tuna, tuna and mayonnaise with cheese over top of it. And then you like bake it for a couple seconds so the cheese melts. You bake it? Or toast it oh. if you have like a toast, like a toaster oven. And then you eat it open face. It's so good. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but I can relate it to being gay because I feel like it's a very gay thing to do, to have like a messy personal life and a very put together like, like outside. (laughs) Yes, I agree because I have the exact same thing. The people always assume I'm like the neatest person in the world. Yeah. When they see your handwriting, especially, people are always like, what? (laughs) Yeah. People assume I'm like, that my apartment is like pristine and jokes on them <laughs> because it is a disaster. So what's your thing? So my thing is not something my mom taught me. It's something my mom did. Oh. 
which is that, so I think I've talked about this on the podcast, but during the first season, so no one remembers. (laughs) No one listened to the first season. My mom and I have a family friend who came out as trans when I was probably in like late middle school, early high school, because I can't remember what pronouns they're using right now, but I'll say they. They've had like a journey, Mm -hmm. and I can't remember right now where the journey has landed. Mm -hmm. So I'll just say they. When they came out as trans and like changed their name, my mom just sort of sat me down and told me about it. And it was like one of my first introductions to like being trans and like what a trans person is. And she just like sat me down and was like, it's a totally normal thing. And like it happened and like next, like, and she didn't even present it as like, I say she sat me down, but she didn't present it as like, we need to talk about the serious thing. It was just like, oh, by the way, like this thing happened with our family friend. And I was Mm. like, oh, okay, cool, normal. Gotcha. How old were you? Late middle school, early high school. Oh, okay. So it's like a casual, so her like casually talking about it kind of set you up. To like casually talk about gender and sexuality. Yeah. And to maybe like even accept it as like just a thing. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you to David Zimmerman, our PA. Thank you to Abby Davis for the art. Thank you to Roz Keith from Stand With Trans. And from 9 to 5. And from 9 to 5 <laughs> for talking to us. What a cool organization. Yeah, go go look them up. And if you listen to the podcast and you are... A, ooh. Another burp. Another burp. <laughs> if you listen to the podcast and you are a parent of a trans kid who can volunteer your time for ally parents go for it do it and let us know how it goes yeah and i guess we'll see you next week for our movie club yeah can't wait our movie club which is our finale we should Uh, say we already made it through season four we already made it through season four what a help david zimmerman's been i know truly i was gonna call him today all right anyway (laughs) (laughs) anyway we'll see you next week for our movie club what what i want to tell another story about my mom oh okay (laughs) i knew something was gonna come to you (laughs) as i mentioned in the first episode of this season i was recently hospitalized for mental illness and while i was there over christmas classic um and on christmas like a good jew (laughs) i know (laughs) and on christmas i was texting my mom because we were allowed to have our phones mm-hmm. after after we like completed a certain amount of um, things. Things, yeah, we were allowed to get our phones back. And I got my phone back like the third day, so watch out. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't on Christmas because I called you on Christmas from the hospital phone. Was it on Christmas? No, it was on Christmas Eve that I called you. Yeah. On Christmas, my friend came and visited me, and then the day after Christmas, this happened. Okay. So <laughs> now that we've got the timeline, <laughs> so um, my mom texted me. Because we, I guess you had posted about the ally parents on one of our social medias. And my mom texted me, I'm reading about the ally parents that One More Thing posted about. And I said, oh yeah, you should join. You should become one. And she responded, you have to have a trans child next day. Unless this is you telling me you're trans, in which case I'll go sign up. Aww. And I was like, that's such a good parenting thing. Yeah. And that just has stuck with me. That's very sweet. Yeah. I love your mom. <laughs> Shout out to Penny Hunt. Shout out to Penny Hunt. And I mean, I love my mom too. I <laughs> Shout out to Tracy Ackerman. Tracy Kohler Ackerman. Wow, yeah. Yeah. I've been on Facebook. Oh my God, that was a whole thing. <laughs> my dad was so mad. Because her name is not hyphenated. <laughs> she only did that so that people from high school could find her on Facebook. That's fair. But my dad was so mad about it. Anyway, we're spiraling out now. So that's that. Yeah. See you next week for Vita and Virginia Woolf. Maybe maybe I'll be a Virginia Woolf scholar by next week. Yeah, maybe you'll have read To the Lighthouse by then. Set by Virginia Woolf. Yes. <laughs> what could have been done by Vita? Or no, Vita's just a party girl. No, she was a writer. She was a poet? Writer? Poet, yeah. Yeah, okay. Guess we'll find out next week. <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs> Say bye. Oh, bye. So here's a question. Okay. What's the worst thing your mom ever did that stuck with you? Because I have one that is my, I tell this story all the time. So I know it's my, it's okay if I tell it. 
to the world. Okay, go for it. <laughs> when I was younger, the Harry Potter movies were coming out. And I, you may have already heard this story. I have no idea. Because I tell it to literally everybody. The Harry Potter movies were coming out and I couldn't drive because I'm old. And, or, or I'm old now. So I was young then. And... <laughs> <laughs> And it was Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, I believe. And my mom had to drive me because I refused to go to any showing that wasn't at midnight. Okay. (laughs) And I had been going, I think I had gone to every midnight release except for one, two, and four. I didn't go to the fourth one. So you only went to one? (laughs) No, because three, oh yeah. I didn't go to the fourth one at midnight because I went to it a month early. Oh. uh, Because I was lucky. But my mom, so maybe it was the first one that my mom was forced to come to. So then maybe it wasn't Order of the Phoenix. I don't know. Anyway. All right. <laughs> we were at the movies. And if you don't know me, my family owned a string of like drive-in movie theaters and movie theaters uh, in the state that I'm from. So I kind of grew up in movie theaters. And so my family is always very picky when we go to movie theaters. <laughs> and we were at this midnight showing of a Harry Potter movie. <laughs> and we go in and my mom is like a popcorn aficionado. Is that is that a word? Yeah. Even more so than I am or you are. Like she's very particular about her popcorn. And she loves movie theater popcorn. And so she got like the big tub like, the biggest tub. Like the one you got when we saw Miss You already? Yes. We sat down and the movie started. She also does not eat her popcorn through the trailers because she thinks it's a waste of, t- of money. Me too. Me um, too. I'm with her there. Me too. Because you know me. I'll finish a popcorn before the yeah. movie starts. And so she picked it up to start eating it and realized that the majority of the popcorn that was in it was broken up pieces or, like, kernels from the bottom. Oh, And she was super pissed and was like, I can't eat this. I ended up trading buckets with her because I probably wasn't going to like eat mine during the movie anyway. Anyway, end of the movie comes. We go to leave and she's like, hold on, I'm getting my money back. And I was like, what? And she walked up to the the concession stand at, you know, two o'clock in the morning in the middle. poor employee. (laughs) And they're like cleaning and like wiping everything down and stuff. And she went up and I did not go with her. I was very like, I don't know this woman, but was close enough where I could hear what was happening. And she was sweet at first because my mom is has great customer service skills on the like... Great interacting with customer service. Yeah, because she knows exactly what to say to get what she wants. And she... She was like, oh, like, I went into my movie and this what was this is what was in my popcorn bucket. I clearly didn't get to eat any of it because there was nothing to eat. I would like my money back. And they were like, we've already closed down all of the systems. Why didn't you come out of your movie? And like, we would have given you a new one before, like during your movie and you would have been fine and been able to eat it. And she was like, because I paid a lot for the movie and I wasn't going to leave my movie and miss part of it to come out and get a new popcorn. To which I, in my mind, was like, you hate Harry Potter. You're only here because I'm here. (laughs) It would have been fine. This woman brings blankets and pillows to movies that she didn't want to see with me. Okay, that's great. And would sleep through them and be like, wake me up at the end. But I think she secretly loves it. So she like has a couple back and forths with this like person and they're like, let me get a manager. The manager comes out and is like, there's nothing we can do because you already saw the movie and we're like cleaning up for the end of the night. If you want, I can give you like a coupon for like your next visit. And my mom was like, that's not what I want. Even though it would have been fine. Not what she wants. And they just like were not understanding like how upset she was about the popcorn. So she took the popcorn bucket and dumped it upside (gasps) down on the counter. No! On the like glass, like cabinet-y counter and smeared in the oil to the glass, which if you've ever worked in a movie theater is literally the worst thing you can do to an employee because that oil does not come up and like pushed it all behind the counter and like fully like white mom like suburban mom like baby boomer like (laughs) energy made a complete mess and was like if you're not gonna give me my money back at least you can do is clean up the mess you made oh my god (laughs) something along those lines and it's all just like broken bits of popcorn and like burnt (laughs) smears and i saw it happen and was like i have to leave And so I started walking out. They pulled her aside and ended up giving her, or they were, they were giving her stuff. And she came back and I was like, so what ended up happening? And she was like, oh, they gave me my money back and we walked to the car. Oh my God. And I tell that story anytime anybody ever meets my mom. Oh my God. 
It's my favorite. That's she my also, worst nightmare. I think she also loves when I tell it. 